Welcome to the Thundercast, your martial athletics podcast produced by the fans, for the fans, with your hosts, Russ Livingood and KD Hudnall. We're bringing you the thundering word on the thundering herd each and every week. So keep it right here. The Thundercast is on the loose. Thanks for downloading another episode of the Thundercast. You can find us on Twitter at Thundercast underscore pod. And of course, over on Facebook, we happen to have a page there as well. So go over and give us a like. Also, head down to the Thundercast YouTube channel and give it a subscription. Hit that post notification button so that you never miss any of the content that we put that we post. And if you would, if you're watching, give us a thumbs up on those videos so it helps those herd fans find our content a lot easier. We sure do appreciate the help and getting the word out on the Thundercast. Ruts, it's, it's a busy, busy week in herd athletics. It was a, well, a must-win game, and the herd came through up in Norfolk, Virginia. We'll talk about that in a little bit. We've got another one on the horizon against, I get, I think what a lot of folks would consider a rival, even though this is a very relatively newly renewed rivalry against Appalachian State. We'll talk about that as well. Several other big things happening in and around herd athletics, and we'll get into all of it right after a quick word from our sponsors at 304carrec.com. If you've been hurt in a wreck, visit 304carrec.com on the web or on Facebook. Matt and Jason are experienced injury lawyers in Huntington who have helped many people just like you with claims throughout West Virginia, Ohio, and Kentucky. Car wrecks, truck wrecks, and injury claims aren't just something they do, it's what they do. Find them at 304carwreck.com. Busy week, some mm-hmm. ups, some downs, uh, and some kind of in-betweens. So let's start off every, this episode like we do every episode with five things every herd fan needs to know this week. And just like every episode, these are always brought to you by IgniteLink, the Tri-State's premier IT management team. Number one, men's soccer Sunbelt Awards. Pretty big showing. <laughs> kind of a big deal. <laughs> kind of a big deal. Let's uh, let's talk about uh, what they got here. Uh, starting off with uh, redshirt senior Milo Yosef, named uh, both the Sun Belt Conference Player and Offensive Player of the Year. Mm-hmm. Junior Adam Omash. Uh, I, I know I'm saying that wrong. A Omash. I can't remember. Uh, they took the pronunciation thing off a of herd zone and appreciate that i forgot <laughs> i forgot how it was with the new update of the yeah, of the was. website it, it it went away uh and they haven't been able to put it back up yet but anyway he earned uh sunbelt conference newcomer of the year matthew bell our uh, freshman phenom of course gets the sunbelt's freshman of the year award and in addition to those uh vinicius fernandez and senior gabriel alves uh were with Bell and Yosef, but all being on the first team, Sunbelt. And uh, Amash and grad student goalkeeper Oliver Simla earning second team. Crazy top to bottom. I mean, obviously, they dominated the league for a lot of the year. They had a a, a bad loss, uh, uh, at least one, and a, a bad couple of ties or whatever. It could have done a lot better. Uh, in the win-loss column, even with the impressive year they already had, but they were mm-hmm. that close. But this just goes to show you that all these individuals, how dominant they were as well. 
Yeah, that Sunbelt first-team all-conference team is riddled with Kentucky and Marshall players. I think maybe only one was uh, not from those two schools. Maybe there was two, but the second team was a little bit more uh, open to the remainder of the conference. But, man, Kentucky and Marshall, Marshall in particular, just dominated the uh, individual awards, like you mentioned. Um, But it just goes to show you what's building and what has already been built and continues to just reload uh, in Huntington, West Virginia, from that men's soccer program. And I know we have more about them coming up around the herd, and we'll get into that without any spoilers. But uh, as, you can't take anything away from them as far as this Sunbelt article goes because they absolutely dominated the all-conference teams and the individual awards. Amazing showing. Yeah, and it's uh, really good. I mean, not only for Matthew Bell as a freshman, of course, winning freshman of the year, but to be already on the first team all-conference mm-hmm. And uh, it just, man, it makes the future look pretty bright. Well, I was watching some of the broadcasts of the game the other day, the Sunbelt quarterfinals, and uh, they mentioned that uh, Bell was tied for the lead in the nation with goals by a freshman. So Mm -hmm. it's not like he was just kind of the best freshman in the Sunbelt. He's like among the elite freshmen in the nation. That's what you would come to expect from Marshall men's soccer at this point in time. So, um, again, it's just, yeah, it, it says a lot about, you know, what he's bringing to the table. So, I, I mean, you can't say enough about it. It's been a long time since Marshall's had a, you know, a postseason all-conference team or a bunch of individual awards that are just utterly dominated by, you know, a herd men's team or a herd women's team, really. So, this is cool to have one of those again. Uh, things like this really help with recruiting, too. So, you know, if you've got a freshman phenom and you – uh are recruiting that person you can say hey our freshman from last year won the freshman uh of the year in the in the conference that we're in which is a good conference and tied for the league lead nationally in goals by freshmen come here and you can do the same yep he's going to demand a lot of attention which is going to give you a lot of opportunities we're going to keep it on the pitch and we're going to keep it with uh sunbelt conference awards and switch it over to women and Marshall senior forward Morgan White, she was named to the uh, first team all-conference, and grad senior midfielder Kat Gonzalez was named to the second team. Yeah, Uh, I kind of saw this one coming. You know, we tried to keep close tabs on the women's soccer team this year, and they really seemed to turn a corner there to the middle end of the season and and started doing some things, and and it was really cool to see, but um, Morgan White and Kat Gonzalez had good years all year long. So yeah. if anybody was going to garner some attention from a conference standpoint, it was going to be those two gals, and they deserved every bit of it. Yeah, and we're we're going to have a lot more about them in Around the Herd as well, uh, so we'll talk more about that. But uh, other players that weren't on the first or second team, uh, they have a really good future there as well. They've got some core to build off of. And you're right, man. They turned a big corner toward the end of the year. Mm-hmm. And, again, we'll get into that in a little bit. Uh, swimming and diving picked fourth in the Missouri Valley Conference. So, brand-new conference, only going to be there one year, preseason, picked fourth. And we're going to have a lot more about them and around the herd <laughs> as they just had their first meet of the season. Yeah. But uh, – you know, it, it. we had talked about this. How cool would it be? You're there for one year, go in, sweep the awards, sweep the conference, win it, 
Peace. We're out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I was thinking, uh, you know, you said pick fourth and I immediately, my head went to Michael Scott, but it was like top 25%, you know, <laughs> but he's like, your branch is fifth out of six or whatever, or fourth out of fifth. He goes top 80%. <laughs> that's what I felt like top 25%, but still that's, that's pretty cool. I have no idea how many teams there are that are, um, you know, making up this swimming and diving, um, conference you know how many how many teams there are but uh i think fourth would be is, is pretty respectable considering that you know we're not a historic part of this conference we don't have any history with them really and are coming in on a one-year you know temporary deal and you know picked fourth so out of, out of 10 oh well hey so yeah. that's that's pretty good then uh, yeah. You let li- you live up to the hype and and sub and surprise a few folks along the way, and you might be in serious contention to, you know, take take a title, which is which would just be so cool. You know, you're yeah. you're a one year rental, and you walk away with the hardware. I remember uh, when we were looking at them as a destination. I thought I remembered how many it was, but I had nine in my head. Maybe it's because they had nine before we joined. Uh, so I had to look it up just now when you when you asked when you said you didn't know how many there were, but. Uh, yeah, we we were picked to be in the upper upper part, and I've actually got that poll up. Let's see. Uh, we got seventy one points. Uh, Missouri State led the way, uh, nine out of the ten votes by the coaches. Indiana State got the other first uh, overall vote. Uh, but just above us is uh, third with Southern Illinois at 77 votes. Illinois State above them in second with 79 votes. And then Missouri State running away with 99. So okay. they would have swept had it not been for the one coach that did not pick Missouri State. And I don't know if it's a situation where you can't or shouldn't pick your own, but that could have been the reason. Yeah, could have been. Could have been, but could have been the person voting for his own team over yeah. the other. Yeah, both State. coaches could have voted for their own school, right? Yeah. All right, so uh, the next on the agenda is number four. We've been talking about this a little bit off and on, and it seems like on social media there's been a lot of people that weren't really aware of it. What's that tell you? More people need to know about the Thundercast That's so right. they can get all their info and not be three or four months behind. So... All you guys that have been loyal listeners, you're going to recognize this story and uh, you need to pass on for people to watch our show so they will know news like this. <laughs> Golickson Hall has had a major facelift. Huge facelift. And we, we've talked about it, KD, when you were in uh, before you went over and looked, it was in the early stages yep. at that point. Uh, I have talked about having some customers over there doing some things. So anyway, they sanded the floor. And it looks very, very nice. Uh, they were under the impression this might have been the first time that floor had ever been sanded. So that means that it has a lot more life in it because they say lifetime you can get three sandings out of a floor. So that saved a lot of money without having to replace the floor. Uh, the paint and everything that they did. And if you remember, we talked about uh, due to the uh, HVAC issues. They ended up going with, and folks, this is the brand name, Big Ass Fans. And <laughs> so they have two Big Ass Fans in there. And uh, 
it, anyway, if you look at the the photos, go to go to the uh, men's basketball or women's basketball. Uh, also for the uh, uh, herd equipment, I think may have something up on it. Uh, I've I've seen this going on with the different stages and everything when the painters were in there when, after it was sanded and all the different stuff. It had this like brown everywhere, like a just a a mud brown um and a dark hunter green and it just looked old and outdated the floor looked old it's uh it's all been uh done up really nice green and white uh the beams going one way they're all green uh and it's got big white in between it it makes it look much bigger in there with uh going from the brown to the to the white we're using this as a practice facility um most of the things that we used to do for intramurals are now over in the wreck. I don't know that they do have much going on in Gullickson anymore. So women's basketball, women's volleyball, uh, men's basketball, they are all going to have a nice, clean, better facility in there, especially with the uh, heat issue. And uh, this was all due to some big donors, uh, individual donors, and they made this happen, but I urge you to go look and see. This is what we were talking about, about brand uniformity to go in. We're talking about a practice facility getting the Kelly Green and White makeover. So every single thing that you go to on Marshall, they're going with the Kelly Green and and just tying everything in together. And you got to got to give it to Spears and his team for doing that. It's not just that. Uh, I saw some pictures, you know, of Gullickson and it's the floor has right. the black the black border just like the yes. the cam floor is supposed to have. So it's really a one off essentially of the cam. Right. Uh, it 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 it's very cohesive in the way that it's um you know painted to look like each other they're painted to look like each other but it looks so good and i've got a great story that i just learned this past weekend uh, about the paint job in in gullickson and i'll share that with you when we're off the air because it'll just make this you know it'll take this episode off the rails a little bit and it's nobody will care other than you because it's just a cool fact I thought um, I thought you were going to tell a story about Gullickson where an unnamed person on Team Two Soccer checked some <laughs> checked someone into a cinder block wall. <laughs> well, no. No. no, and I also remember a separate incident where another individual on Team Two Soccer put a man in the hallway through the door. <laughs> but you know, um, I digress. That that that's the fun of of college intramurals, ladies and gentlemen. If it's not full contact, it ain't no fun, and it and that counts with indoor soccer. I think uh, both of those broke records. <laughs> yeah, we and probably old... bones. And I know, know a collarbone was broken. <laughs> but seriously, fans, uh, to get back onto it, go over and look uh, at the photos of Gullicks and uh, yeah. we we shared those on our on our. Uh, Twitter page, didn't we? I don't know if I did or not. I was just now we're, looking for them, well, and I couldn't remember going, where I saw them. I'll we're going to, yeah, we're going to. It was uh it was the basketball team uh, tweet. So we'll we'll go out there and we'll retweet it so everybody yeah. can see it. It looks pretty sweet though. Uh, number five, Marshall's last football win without a touchdown was against Dayton in 1976. Yeah. Uh, Steve Cotton, who does an amazing job, if you're not following him on Twitter with uh, his Sunday morning stats, and it's not just for football. He does stats year round that are great. Um, 
but he had originally said 1923 and uh wow 99 years you know <laughs> yeah uh, or maybe it's 1924 whatever it was it was a long yeah. time 1924 98 years i don't even think that a forward pass was something that people did back then but uh anyway even going back to 76 hell of a long time so yeah. Uh, we're going to have more about that victory. Uh, we just wanted to put that stat out there, especially since uh, Steve had to correct himself later on. And maybe some people didn't see the correction. They saw the original thing. Um, but uh, 76. Yeah, before, that's older before, than me. Before you and I were born. That's yeah. right. Uh, I would recommend that everybody, if you're not, please go follow at Herd Cotton because not only yeah. is Steve Cotton just so much of what Marshall is, you know, I mean, can you imagine – listening to somebody else call a touchdown really i mean yeah keith can do it and you know and i'm used to hearing mark martin every now and then maybe even jake too but there's just there's only one steve cotton and the sunday morning stat tweet like dump is the greatest thing yeah because you learn so much that you wouldn't have otherwise realized and some stuff you did realize and go oh man i remember that game yeah, some of the stats that he brought up in this thread, I was like, "Dang, I remember that happening." But you know, yeah. it's lost in the back of my head amongst. I bet bet you're talking about where he said the Vinnie Curry game and Cato's long. Some run. of it, yeah, 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 some of that, yeah. yeah. But look, you make a good point. That's an excellent uh, five things, and you know, a lot of positivity, especially around the soccer programs. And uh, man, Golickson just looks so sharp. If you find yourself on campus. This Saturday for the game, like sneak away for a minute and see if you can find an unlocked door and just peek in there because it looks so good. Um, but otherwise, let's talk about this game that just went down up at an old Dominion in Norfolk, Virginia, shall we? Yep. <clears throat> All right, the Herd travels up in a must-win game. There was no two ways about it. The Herd had to win this one to really, you know, try to keep something going and maintain hopes of bowl eligibility. Should they – have lost this one. It still would have been a possibility, but man, what an eight ball to be behind staring them down the barrel of what was remaining on the st- the schedule. But instead, Marshall goes up to Norfolk, Virginia and takes care of business against Old Dominion to the tune of 12 to nothing. Nope, doesn't move the needle, doesn't blow you away, but it's a, it I feel like right now at this stage a, a win is a win and we'll take any win no matter how we get it. Mm-hmm. Um, this one could have been uglier, right? I mean, the, the red zone offensive woes continue for the herd and, um, the defense continues to play stout. I mean, this one could have easily been lopsided quite a bit, you know, tw- 21, 24 points or something like that. It could have been even more, but it just wasn't. So Marshall moves to five and four on the season, two and three in the Sunbelt conference and climbs out of the cellar in the SBC East and now holds a tiebreaker over old dominion who is in the cellar. Now also seven and one all time against Old Dominion. So starting to play some teams with a little bit of history, and we're going to play one coming up with a whole lot of history, and we'll talk about that. You um, took one of my bullet points for the five things, and that's okay. That was the first road win without a touchdown, or the first win without a touchdown since 1976, a nine to nothing win at Dayton. But I've got three more. One really, uh, two really positive ones, and one kind of not a bummer, but just one of those dang it type things. Uh, this was also the first road shutout win since 1983, 1983, a 35 to nothing victory over Moorhead state. Reese Verhoff becomes one of six herd kickers to kick four field goals in a game. But the lone kind of negative is we see the 
consecutive touchdown streak for Kalen Laburn end at eight games. So that's kind of like, a, oh, man, that kind of sucks. But still, it's kind of hard to get mad when the herd gets a win. So in back-to-back weeks, we've seen this, the uh, 100 yards consecutive game snapped and now the touchdown streak snapped. But still, he bounced back from a yardage standpoint. It's just that red zone offense is killing the herd right now. Um, we're going to go right into stats and indicators. We're going to move all of the conversation about this game to grades because I think that's kind of where it fits best. So let's do that. Total yards, time of possession, first downs, and turnovers all swept by the herd. 387 yards for the herd against 209 yards allowed. 38 minutes, 11 seconds for the time of possession for the herd, 21.49, plus 16 and some change, Russ. We knew that was going to be a big deal, and it sure did turn out to be that way. First downs, 20 for Marshall, 12 for Old Dominion, and turnovers, boy, oh, boy, four for ODU, two for the herd. And that also aided in the lack of points being put on the board. Cam Fancher, man, oh, man, I don't know what to say about this. one. Uh, Big-time regression through the air, but a big-time glow up on the ground. Uh, 13 to 25 for just 89 yards on the day. No touchdowns, two interceptions, 18 carries for 136 yards, but also a fumble. Kalen Laburn, 31 carries for 139 yards. E.J. Horton was your leader in the clubhouse, in receptions and yardage, just four catches and just 28 yards. But he was a guy that I said could have a potential to break out, and he did that a little, well, not break out, but had a big game or had an important role in the game. Uh, all in all, this hurt offense, 298 rush yards, only 89 passing yards, five of 19 on third down, eight penalties for a 91 penalty yards. Again, yes, not all those are against the offense. We know that, but you got to put them somewhere. Uh, defensively for the herd, Charlie Gray, eight tackles, five solo, one quarterback. Hurry, carry on Martin, six tackles for one solo. Impact plays. The herd got three sacks on the day, which we also said was going to be a point of emphasis. The herd needed to do that, and they were able to do that a little bit. Uh, sacks by Eli Neal, Tyquez Legs, and then a half a sack each by Owen Porter and Emmanuel Balagoon. Uh, interception by Abraham Bowplan, and that's about it. Uh, the defense, though, as a whole, Shut out Old Dominion, held Ollie Jennings. This might be the most important stat of the day. Held Ollie Jennings, the number two receiver in receiving yards heading into that game, finishes with a stat line of four receptions for 30 yards. Outpaces our number one guy by two yards, and he was number two coming into the country. Held ODU to just 11 team rushing yards, forced four Old Dominion turnovers, held Old Dominion to two of 14 on third down and O of two on fourth down. Another lights-out effort by this Marshall defense. Special teams, Reese Verhoff, four of five on field goals. He had his third of the year blocked. Uh, John McConnell, six punts, 32-and-a-half-yard average with a long of 46. All right. Uh, that was a lot of stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, you wanted to revisit your keys real quickly. You without discussion. That? Okay, yeah. you want to do that right before the grades? I want to do it now, just okay. without without discussion. Uh, number one for me was contain Ollie Jennings. Check mark four receptions, thirty yards, like you mentioned. Number two, our offensive line versus their defensive line. Remember, they had twenty six sacks coming in. We had given up thirty one. Uh, we gave up zero sacks. We had two hundred ninety eight yards of rushing, and that's even counting, you know, your tackles for loss. Uh, we gave up six tackles for loss. Uh, still right at 300 yards rushing. You're going to take that all day, every day. Number three, I said we had to get an interception coming into the game. He had only thrown three. He had a great touchdown to interception ratio, and we got one. 
Uh, number four, I said we needed to win the kicking game. Well, we did. We got <laughs> to, we got four field goals to their none. Yeah. And uh, if you remember beforehand, I had picked Reese Verhoff as my MVP. I had seen a close, tight game that might come down to a kick. And I don't know that I would call him MVP yet. We'll get to that with grades, but he got all of our points. Yep. So. Uh, my my keys to victory real quick. I said the herd had to start fast, which they did not do. And by start fast, I mean points on the board early mm-hmm. and not just field goals. So that's a no for me. Number two was your number one for someone other than Ollie Jennings to produce. They could not do that effectively. Only 11 team rushing yards. They did have another leading receiver. I can't remember. I think it was 60 yards was their leading receiver on the day. Laburn had Javon Harvey. Yeah, it was. But I remember I'm just talking about the yardage. I think it was somewhere around 60. Uh, Laburn had to get back on track in the 757. And he did that and even talked about uh, loving playing in that area and being in being in uh, um, a friendly kind of confines type deal, even in an away game. And then number four, the continued emergence of the pass attack, which we did not see, but guys like Charles Montgomery, EJ Horton had to have uh, bigger days coupled with Corey Gamage. Nobody had a big day, but they're from a reception standpoint, EJ Horton grabs four and leads the team. So that's maybe a halfer. I don't know. It's not, it doesn't really blow me away either way, but um, that's the keys to victory. I don't think we did them all. Either one of us, the herd didn't check the, all the boxes for either one of our lists, but they did enough to get it done. So how about grades? What do you got for Cam Fancher? We were four out of four on my list. Oh, okay. Well, I didn't get start fast, and I damn sure didn't get <laughs> uh, an emergence of a passing attack. Cam Fancher, I'm going to have to go with a uh, a B minus, and there's going to be a bunch of people start already typing at R-U-S-L-I-V, trying to tell me that I'm crazy. Um no, he got 225 yards on his own. And I think if we would have gotten that through the air, everyone would have said, ah, 225 yards. He is a big reason we had zero sacks. He stayed away from that, and that prevented us from uh, um, having worse field position, maybe not being able to extend drives and get those points that we desperately needed uh, on the field goals. Uh, he got in an 18 was it 18 carries had 130 oh. 18 uh, carries 136 yards yeah yeah so uh he had a 40 yarder and a 41 yarder and we had talked about with the ODU guys that he's mobile he he helped win this game mm-hmm. uh B minus uh all of the negatives go around that he was inaccurate at times uh, especially throwing on the run while he was outside of the pocket. Uh, he had some wide open receivers and missed them. Uh, one of the interceptions, that beautiful tip ball that Tobias Harris tipped to the other guy, he had someone uh, had their guy beat on the other corner of the end zone, and he just wasn't looking that way. Uh, I could have gone down to the C mark, but when you're almost beating Ali, or not Ali, uh, Laburn for yards, I have to bump him up to a B minus. Yeah, I don't. I don't think that's entirely unfair. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I can't see 320 yards one week and then 89 yards the next week. So something's got to get ironed out yeah. there. Sure. Right? Something's got to happen there. We've got to see a little bit more consistency. I said that in the preview. I said, man, we don't need to see 300 yards. Give me 200, 250 yards, a touchdown, and no interceptions. And we kind of went the other damn way with it. You know, yep. 89 yards, no touchdowns, and two interceptions. Now. The one, I mean, I'm putting them both on him, right? They're both his fault because he threw it. It wasn't a tip ball or anything like that by our receiver. But, um, you know, the second one was a great play, very athletic play. But 
you can't throw that ball where that ball was. It's got to right. go towards the corner of the end zone yep. to where our guy gets it or it's out of bounds. So, Back okay. shoulder, yeah. I get it, okay? The, the first one, you throw it across your body and you don't even see the defender standing there and he just comes down with the ball. Now, look, we're not making excuses here because that's not what we're doing. You got to be better, and you're going to mm. be better because he's yep. still a redshirt freshman, still developing game by game by game, and you're going to see some inconsistencies until you work through those kinks. And But still – I'm not, I'm not going to make any bones about it. It's got to be better. You know, yeah. 136 yards on the ground, great. We're not going to see that every week either. So, uh, if, but, you're a, if you're a quarterback, your primary job is to probably pass the ball, take care of the football. And in those two capacities, it really wasn't there this week. So, luckily, we were just lined up against a defense that struggles against a mobile quarterback, and we have uh, one of the nation's finest running backs. So, that helped. There, there was also another uh, ball that was intercepted on an amazing play. Tobias Harris was, I mean, crazy good for them in the defensive backfield. He had three pass deflections. He had that one that went for an interception by the other guy. He made a one-handed diving interception on the sideline, and they called it for pass interference, and we got away with one. Mm-hmm. I, on the replay, I did not see that as a pass interference. Uh, see, we're not always all pro Marshall here about every every call has to go our way. You know, we call it how we see it. And uh, I saw that as just a really good defensive play. So we did get away with that one. Um, like I said, I, it wouldn't take much for me to bump him down into the C level, and maybe that's better. But, I mean, he picked up almost as many yards as Labron did in less carries. And, you know, we're – talking about how good of a game that Labron had on the ground. Yeah. So I, I just have to bump him up at least into the B level because of what he brought to the game. In his third third start, uh, 225 yards that he was uh, responsible for. So the last thing I want to say, so I just don't sit here and sound like a complete hater, mm-hmm. is um, I understand, like, I don't want you to change what works just to bump up those passing yards. Right. Because primarily, above all else, you're charged with doing what you got to do to win a game. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, so I don't care if it comes to 200 yards on the ground or 200 yards through the air. I don't care as long as at the end of the day, we get one in the left hand column. Right. That's all I care about. But I'm just saying, moving forward, we're not going to be lined up against teams like Old Dominion to where you're going to be able to get by with 89 yards passing. We were sure. griping about those totals earlier in the season. Sure and now were. we're going to gripe about them here too. Because no one's above your reproach, right? And yeah. I, I get it. He's a freshman. He's learning. I get it. But if you're going to be QB1, you've got to perform like a QB1. You do. And my gripe when we were at 89 yards earlier in the year and things like that was that we were only throwing. One, we were taking a bunch of sacks and holding on to the ball way too long. We were uh, only throwing at the line of scrimmage or behind it. Mm-hmm. We he he was missing some, but at least he was throwing over the middle and downfield. Uh, so again, that to me, I mean, execution versus how you're doing it is a big thing for me. Sure. And uh, and you know, I have long said that when you're a freshman quarterback, you're not going to be dialed in with your accuracy. That's something that generally comes if you look at people's stats; they progressively get better in their completion percentage throughout their career. Yeah. Um, I am not happy with only 89 yards passing, and I'm not passing it off as I am. He gets almost 100% of his grade based on yeah. he rushed and he kept us from getting sacks and he extended drives, and the defense did its job. Yep, I agree. I agree. Um, 
offensively, what do you got for this herd offense? Uh, it's lower than than Fancher, and that's going to make people's heads spin as well. Uh, but uh, I give it a C plus. And uh, we got 387 yards, I think it was, on on uh, total yards. Uh, we were four out of five in the red zone this game after struggling all year. Uh, we're still near the bottom, but four out of five, and that was because of a block uh, on this one. Uh, we we had a lot to be proud of with rushing for 298 yards. We had a lot to be proud of for going four out of five in the red zone. Uh, we did what we needed to do as the game allowed it. And the, the second or the first points that we put on the board, we started on our own eight mm -hmm. and we went down and kicked a short, short field goal. Uh, we, uh, the first time we started on the 10, you know, we had some bad field position earlier. Their punter put us, pinned us back on the one, the four. I mean, we were pinned back quite a bit. And uh, we still won the field position battle that helped our defense keep it, uh, keep them scoreless. And that's a lot of the deal with the offense. We did what we needed to do to win the field position game. It did not translate to touchdowns. Yeah. Four or five for me sounds great. I mean, because it is, you think, oh, great, four or five out of, in the red zone, you probably had 21, 24 points. Well, if you look down at the scoreboard and you see 12, to me, that's like saying, you know, um, well, we we had a, a high completion percentage, but we only passed for 100 yards. Mm -hmm. Same thing. Like, you've mm -hmm. got to be, if you're going to be in the red zone, you've got to put six on the board and not three. You can't make four trips into the red zone and then be able to get beat by two trips to the red zone. That can't happen. Mm -hmm. So at some point, Marshall's got to be able to find a way to punch that ball in, punch that ball in. And I don't know. Not, not, not going to win this week by doing that. No, no. Four field goals will not win this game. I don't yeah. think. I mean, unless something catastrophic happens with apps offense and they just cannot hold on to the ball. Um, but I need to see a little bit more something. You know, mm -hmm. I don't know what it is. And I know you don't want to, you know, throw the kid to the wolves and just throw every play you got in the playbook. I get it. I get it. But uh, we had a little quick discussion um, on the social media there, like, you know, where's the play action pass? I think there were several times in the game where that would have been exploited phenomenally by the been, opportunities that were there. I've been calling for it all year, and I think that uh, we need to do more work. Uh, we've seen since Fancher has come in that he's been under center a few times, mm -hmm. and that's when, in my opinion, play action works a lot better. Uh, but even throwing him in the pistol – helps quite a bit instead of the shotgun for play action pass. And when you have the number six leading rusher in the nation uh, and people are keying on him anyway, gotta have it, man. play action pass on a quick slant or a go route or a double move, throw some pump fakes in. Uh, now I'm not suggesting there'll be people on here saying you can't have a play action pass and a pump fake because we've got to have 85 seconds back there to be able to throw it and we can't do it. I'm saying, Something, not on, something. Not, on, not on the same play, <laughs> not every play. Uh, but you know, you don't want to do that on, on third down when they're going to be bringing the house, you know, you, you're not going to have enough time for a pump fake and a double move. Uh, but there we, are opportunities, there are opportunities to, to pepper these things in and we're not doing it. Yeah. But, so, but just we'll, something. We'll, yeah. 
just something, something creative, something. But the offense, like I said, you know, I, I'm not giving them an A. I'm not giving them, yeah. you know, it's, it's a, a C plus, and it's mainly because we ran for 298 yards. And we, <laughs> I was going to say. And we won the field position. I was going to say, we're sitting here sounding like we're griping and unhappy, and we almost put three bills on the board on the ground and won a game in a shutout. So Z- Zero know. sacks for everyone that's been <laughs> saying, you know, hey, we've got an offensive line that can't do anything. We've got the number six rusher in the nation. We gave up yeah. zero sacks. Again, it's not always on the line we do have we do have issues no one's saying that that we're firing on all cylinders on that line but it's not as bad as what you may believe on social media okay so this might be the quickest (laughs) and least talked about grade ever uh what do you got for this herd defense a plus okay yeah (laughs) road shutout moving on (laughs) uh no seriously we can just kind of move on because what else are you going to talk about a road shutout I mean, you you could have uh, uh, talked about less penalties on the on the defense. Uh, you could have talked about uh, needing to get more interceptions because the guy was throwing erratically because of how we were doing. And our guys defense. were there. They were like they were. Yeah. I mean, inches away. Gilmore yeah. was inches away from yeah. having two. You know. But I mean, that's splitting hairs when you went on the road, shut somebody out, and yeah. I mean, it was not even close. They had. It's not like they missed a field goal or yeah. they they missed a a guy that was wide open in the end zone. They no. didn't. They didn't come close to scoring. At no. no at no point were they really a threat to score. I mean, what is two of fourteen on third down? Marshall's third down defense has just been utterly dominant these and, past three games. Those were both. It was the uh, uh, first and second possession of the game. The very first third down opportunity on their third play of the game, they picked up the the third. And then the very first on the next drive, they picked up the third. So they were two of their first three and then oh for their last 11. Wow. We just shut them down. Yeah, it was a dominating effort. Special teams, what do you got for those guys? Uh. I because more so because of the penalties, but the block field goal is a big one. I'm going to go with a C plus. You cannot have the 15 yard penalties on the kick returns uh, mm-hmm. or on the uh, uh, defensive part of the the kickoffs. Um, you cannot have a blocked punt. Um, I don't think there was anything we could have done different on their all-world punter who looked like he was uh, uh, Steve Miserak making trick shots with the spinning ball and everything. Uh, nothing really you could do about getting pinned back there because what you don't want to see is uh, you trying to fair catch near the, the three-yard line uh, or be in the way and give up a, a, a touchdown right away on, on something like that. But because of the block punt and the other things, I just I really got to take them down. Um, I know we went four field goals, and that's great, but I got to take them down. I'm giving them a, a C overall. Yeah, the block kick is it just since it's the third one of the year. I mean, it's an it's now a habit, and it's mm-hmm. not a good habit. So yeah. it's fair to drop that a whole letter grade because of that because it continues yeah. to happen. Yeah, you know, and it and it's and it's they're never a good. It's never a good time to have that happen. But when you can't find the end zone, you got to have every damn field goal you can get. Yeah. I mean, 15 would have been a heck of a lot more attractive than 12 in that game. You well, know? well, think of it this way. Uh, and here's what I kept thinking. You know, you, your mind will run through scenarios and everything. And they had minutes left on the clock in the fourth quarter, and we were up 12 points. 
if they get a quick touchdown and an often uh, uh, recovered uh, onside kick, they are then throwing to go ahead or yeah. win the game because we had a field goal block. Yeah. So it's uh, even though, you know, we were in no danger, really, I just said of them scoring. Well, that can change on one play. You know, one one guy gets beat on a long throw and it's over with. Yeah. You know, uh, because then they all of a sudden it's twelve to seven, and they can kick it off on on sides. Or you know, if we're struggling, we have to pan it back to them. We're one play again away from losing that game. Yeah, that so. that just speaks to the importance of having to punch that ball in at least once or twice when you're in the yeah. red zone. Yeah. Uh, what do you got for other coaches this week? Um. I'd say a uh, a B, and uh, almost all of that, I'm not putting it on them for the passing because the plays were there. Again, we weren't throwing screens and not getting yards. We were throwing downfield, and he just, you know, had some uh, some bad throws, threw high on some, threw wide on some. Uh, but the coaches aren't the ones out there throwing. And I know people online are saying, you know, fire offensive coordinator, foul fire the offensive line coach who is not the one calling the plays and we had zero sacks, but uh, I I give it all because we have a penalty problem is why I'm taking away these, these uh, letter grades today. And this did not uh, hop up in this game. It has been a problem all year long, untimely penalties. We stalled drives because of these penalties and it wasn't a the five yard variety. We had several of the fifteens, and they were drastically out of bounds. I mean, not even close. And we're still pushing and shoving people out of bounds. Uh, face mask was a fifteen yard penalty uh, early in the game, pushed us back. Uh, it was uh, it was a drive killer. You know, we we were pushing the the ball down the field in our first drive from the ten. And we get that, and we end up having to punt. Mm-hmm. So everything, it's not on the low passing yards. Everything going down is all because of those penalties. And it has to be, you have to have your guys disciplined to not do the stupid things that they were doing. Yeah, some of those things you can just flat avoid. I mean, the late slinging a dude out of bounds when you're two steps out of bounds, you can't do that, man. About 10 yards out of bounds what, on the what, one. What makes you think you're going to get away with that? You're not going to get away with it. It's and just... especially when they had already called it earlier in the game and you do it again, you know, different guy, but, you know, yeah. it, it's already been called. They got called. You know, it's, it was some back and forth, which, by the way, if we need to grade the refs, I'm going to go with a, an F. Oh, uh, wow, because they couldn't p- figure out what team was – uh. Yeah, penalties. Yeah, they were moving the ball, <laughs> announced it, and everybody was accepting it. Even the fans in the stadiums, like, ah, well, I could see that. And the announcers are like, they don't have a number thirty. Yeah, <laughs> you know, they're like, oh, well, actually, we meant the other way. Sorry, my bad. I've never once in four in in, in a game seen the refs change a call four times. Yeah, no, we meant the offense did yeah. that. Yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah. yeah. Oh boy. Yeah, that was pretty <laughs> rough. Uh, how about the fan? Uh, the fan grade this week. Um, I wish I could have gone so I could have seen how big our contingent was down there from the people that I've talked to that were there. They, you know, they said it was pretty nice. Um, so I'm going to have to base it all on the online. Uh, I'm going to go with a D and again, people can at me, you know, I don't care. Um, we won, we shut, we shut somebody out. 
and we got people complaining that we didn't shut them out good enough, you know, that we didn't beat them by 35. And I get it, man. I want touchdowns too. But damn it, we won the game, mm-hmm. you know, and we're talking about firing people because we didn't get enough touchdowns in a shutout victory where we shut down the nation's number two uh, receiver. And I understand that you can't do that every game, but we've done it multiple times this year. This is now the, is it fifth game or fourth game that we've not given up a touchdown? Oh, I wouldn't know. I think it's the fourth game out of nine that we have not given up a touchdown on defense. That's going to, that's going to play. That's going to put you in every game. Mm-hmm. And and again, earlier in the season, I said no blowouts. After after our season had gone downhill, I said we can't get blown out. And we haven't. And we won this game by 12. If it would have been something like 27 to 15, we would have been happy as can be that we won by 12. But because we shut them out and we didn't get uh, touchdowns on the board, there are people saying we need to fire so-and-so. So-and-so wasn't out there throwing the ball. And I just gave that guy that was throwing the ball a lot of praise because he helped us win this game. I I don't I don't know what more to say than people are not happy no matter what. And I don't yeah. care I don't care who that pisses off. I mean, you know, it's not hard to find where I'm at to come tell me in person how bad I suck for having that opinion. But I'm not sitting here saying everything's a hundred percent. I'm pointing out the things that we're doing wrong, but I'm not saying, guys, the season's over and all that. A lot of people that are complaining online, I also saw them earlier saying I'll never be back to another game. So sure. Right. That's, I mean, that's, look, that's why we're getting a D. Here's the difference. I'll get on here every week and complain about something that I see that's wrong. Yep. But I'm still happy that we win. Hundred percent. I, I, I will sit here and go, well, man, it could have been better. Yep. But I don't care. It's a twelve to nothing win. Yep. Out three weeks ago, two weeks ago, whatever, I sat here and we talked about Will we make a bowl? And I said, I don't know if there's enough wins on the schedule. And and I and I still don't know. I still don't know either. Yeah. But having one more sure does help. You know, yeah, so sure does. I mean, you're gonna have to go one and two, uh, two and one would be three and oh would be great. But yeah. you know, you're gonna have to at a bare minimum get at least one, mm-hmm. you know, and and hope that some other teams don't maintain eligibility, you know, to to free up some some uh some spots in bowl games. But look, can we go one and three? Sure can. Can we go three and zero? Sure can, but we're going to have to see a lot more than what we're seeing. Technically, we can't go one and three because there's only three games. You know what I mean? Yeah, one and two. Can we go but, one and two? Sure can. And, and for those that are listening, we talked about this on an earlier episode, but uh, Marshall and App are in the same boat uh, because of the late nature of joining the Sun Belt Conference and where they were playing each other is why we're in this situation. Both of them could only come up with an FCS opponent. So because there are two FCS opponents, only one of those games can count toward your six victories. You have to have five FBS wins and a sixth can be uh, against an FCS team. We technically need to finish seven and five to be bowl eligible because we have two victories against that. We have filed a waiver and we will, I think we've already been granted it, but it would then be up to the bowls to select someone that only has four FBS victories and two FCS victories. So it can still happen. We could go one and two and still get a bowl. Most likely we need to go two and one. Sure. 
and it's going to be a tough road to hoe still to do yeah, that. Because this is a great, great conference. Georgia State all of a sudden is looking very much improved. And yep. Georgia, Georgia Southern, we know, can pass the hell out of the ball. And yep. even though App's record is exactly like ours, which we'll get into this in a minute and all the similarities these two teams have, still very, very dangerous. They can score yep. a lot of points in a quick way. So who's your offensive MVP this week? Uh, Reese Furhoff. All right. Even, and, and that that is, I mean. Hey it's a special teams MVP. Well, he was our only offense. <laughs> He's going to double dip this week. <laughs> so uh, I, I am actually going to go with Fancher over okay. over Laburn, and um, that is because of what I said earlier. Uh, that is not an endorsement of eighty nine passing yards. That is not an endorsement of uh, how inaccurate he was at times. But he did what he needed to do to help us win that game as his third ever game uh, to where he played the whole game third ever start and he's now two and one with two road victories against two teams that we were wondering if we were going to win those games two, two conference road victories yeah uh, who's the defensive mvp for you the entire team i can't <laughs> i i'm, I'm going to cop out uh, that's a great pick <laughs> i i can't i can't highlight there were there were a lot of people that did a lot of good in that game yeah um you know we could we could there's a lot of stuff that doesn't show up in the stats that they did a lot, like making sure that Ollie Jennings wasn't open enough to be targeted. You know, does that show up? No, they didn't throw his way. Um, but just an entire top to bottom team defense, uh, they they get the they get the championship this week. So now, who's your special teams MVP? Reese Verhoff. Yeah, without a doubt, one of six kickers now with four field goals in a game, which seems like it should be more than that but uh that's some rarefied air in the kicking game and some all-timers if you run down that list there's some uh some some names that heard fans go yeah that guy was clutch for us when he was around here all right so uh herds back on the winning track they got to come back home where they have struggled mightily against fbs opponents mm-hmm. and we've got a big one coming to town appalachian state so let's talk about that one uh the mountaineers are coming to town a five and four ball club, two, uh, three and two in conference. Sound kind of sort of familiar. Yeah. Uh, games going down Saturday, November 12th at 3.30 p.m. at Jones C. Edwards Stadium. Also broadcast on ESPN+. Plus. This will be the 27th all-time meeting between the Herd and Appalachian State. The Mountaineers own a 15-9 to edge in the overall win-loss record. Uh, these two teams played annually. From 1990, I'm sorry, 1977, all the way up to 1996. Then an outlier game in 2002, which I think App was a late addition to a bit of a scheduling shuffle, if I recall. I think that's the year we lost Miami at home, and we added App late in the game. I might be wrong about that, but uh, it seems to seems to fit the narrative. And then, of course, this rivalry was renewed in 2020 during the COVID season, and is brings us up to now. Uh, App is. Just six and four all time in Huntington, though, uh, including a and well, one of those losses, of course, was the seventeen to seven loss most recently in twenty twenty when App was ranked number twenty three. And of course, we all have visions of the Brandon Drayton peanut punch that goes right into the arms of Nazi Johnson for the touchback uh, in a game that kind of sealed in a play that kind of sealed that game for the herd. So, what does this one mean for Marshall Russ? Well, first and foremost, it's seventy five week. And um, everything kind of sort of goes out the window during 75 week, no matter how good or how bad this Marshall team is that you field in any given year. Seemingly, their level of play 
rises a notch or two in this game. We always see some kind of weird, wild play that we don't see at any point in the game in the in the entire season. It seems to pop up in this game. And yep. I'm talking about things like I remember a few years ago we were playing Louisiana Tech and Louisiana Tech was much better than we were. They like they were a heavy favorite. I'm not I don't know that they were much better. But we kind of put it to them in that mm-hmm. game and the weird play I remember was they had they were back for a fourth down punt and the punter just dropped the snap and it was like that does never happens man it was like clean everything was perfect he just dropped it and set the herd up like in the red zone in business and and it allowed us to you know kind of start to run away with that game I don't remember the final score I want to say it was like 31 to 14 or 31 to 17 but anyway you always see some kind of wild play now of note Huff in the Huff era um he struggled last year you know uh of one in in uh 75 week games 21 of 14 lost to uab so we got to get that one back on the right track doc holiday famously famously said annually how would you like to be a head coach of a team that plays a game that you cannot lose and of course he was talking about this game and say what you will about doc holiday like him hate him whatever you think the herd came to play on 75 week and by golly they held serve uh, almost annually in, 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 in that game. Uh, Marshall, though, this year in 2022, two and two at home, both wins are over FCS opponents. Both losses are to Sunbelt Conference opponents. The average score in those two games, 23 and a half to 13. Um, Appalachian State is very, very similar to Marshall this year, uh, not just aside from the record, but some of these other things. Both of us have wins over a top 10 team occurred in the same week. We beat Notre Dame. They beat Texas A&M. Uh, they have a head-scratching loss to Texas State, just like we had head-scratching losses to Bowling Green. Uh, and they won on a Hail Mary against a Troy team that dominated. I don't want to say dominated. They had that game won. Troy was leading that game with 20 seconds to go. I was watching it. And instead of punting the ball away, they decided to take a safety and have a free kick. So upon the free kick, I think Chase Bryce hits maybe one completion. They go out of bounds, and then they hit the Hail Mary and beat Troy unbelievable could not believe it that was the week that game day was in boone uh so two of their five wins also are against fcs opponents this is very much a mirror image of the herd the problem is mountaineers can score a lot of points and right now we can't really score a whole ton of points so instead of doing the last three since they have an fcs game tossed in there i just decided to do the last two sunbelt conference games to see where they are because it's two conference games sandwiched in a uh, fcs team in there for the app Apps one and one in those last S, uh, last two SBC games, scoring 38 and a half points per game, allowing 22 and a half points per game. They got a home win against Georgia State and a road loss this past weekend against Coastal Carolina. Yards per game offensively, uh, Mountaineers are gaining 416 and a half yards, allowing 388 and a half yards. Turnovers on average, one and a half in those two games for the Mountaineers. Total time of possession right around 30 minutes to 20, 29 minutes and 19 seconds. Conversely, the Herd also one and one in their last two. Uh, points per game for the Herd, 12 and a half. Yowza. Points allowed, 12. So, whew, too, too close for comfort if you're a Herd fan. Home loss to Coastal Carolina and then a road dub, of course, against Old Dominion. Marshall's gaining 397 yards on offense in those two and allowing just 240 yards on defense. Turnovers, though, average two per game 
for the herd, just slightly ahead of the Mountaineers. And if this doesn't add up to almost be perfect, I don't know what does. Time of possession for the herd in their last two, 31-35. 29-19 plus 31-35 is damn near 60 minutes. Um, the last thing I was going to say, well, I guess I got one more thing, and then I'll get your bird's eye view. Uh, the power index, the dreaded power index, Colin Marshall, a home dog in this one, Russ. 45.3% chance to win for the herd, but Vegas has Marshall at plus one and the over-under at 46. Give me your bird's-eye view of this one, and then we'll get into some players to look out for. Because they had a weeknight game uh, on Thursday, uh, they have an extra two days that they got to, one, watch our game without having to worry about uh, the game that they were preparing for. And then they... uh, um, they had you know a, an extra two days of rest and recovery, so that's a benefit. Uh, it's a benefit for us to play at home, even despite our record. I mean, it's just it's always a benefit for familiarity purposes to be where you're at and not have the travel involved and that sort of thing. Now it's been inverse for us the last two home games, the last two away games, but um, still. I give that uh, – we we have a a benefit. They have a benefit, kind of offset each other. And a lot of the things that they're eerily similar, like you said, uh, both teams uh, preseason were both expected to be uh, doing much better than they are, maybe be the two top teams in the East. Um, They – we both lost to Coastal in games that both of us probably could have won. Um, I I see this being a tight game. Um, that's my bird's eye view. We can get into more about that here in a little bit, but right now I see a, um, a game where we're going to have to score a lot of points and uh, we're going to have to prevent them from scoring a lot of points. So... I still, I still think that it's going to be tight. Yeah, uh, I, I'm with you. I don't know if Marshall can go point for point with these guys. So last year, and I know last year was a different team, but uh, two years ago we beat them 17 to seven in a mm-hmm. in a close game, and uh, the play that you had mentioned with knocking the ball out, and then uh, um, last year we lost by one. Mm-hmm. And we should probably should have won that game. Mm-hmm. Uh, they they tend to be close games here the last couple of years. So they have, and if that holds historically, then you know most of our lines of thinking will hold true. Mm-hmm. But I tell you, this one scares me, and I don't know really know what it is about it that scares me because if you look at these teams, they look damn even, but yeah. they can just score a lot of points. And right now they we can't. can't score we can't score points. So of the of the four. You know, potential outcomes of this game, a, a blowout herd win, you know, a blowout herd loss or a tight herd win or a tight herd loss. Blowout herd win is not on my radar at all, you know, but for some reason, this could be the one that 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 blowout loss finally pops its head up. And I know it's 75 week and things go a little different during 75 week, but we can't find the end zone consistently right now. And that just freaking scares me. And now, if, if it's a tight game, I like to lean towards Marshall. I think we can hold serve, and I hope the home crowd stays behind these guys, especially in the late game, the second half of a tight game. If you're like, I'm out of here, and the guys need – they need every fan in the seat screaming and yelling and being loud when App has the ball and quiet as hell when we have the ball in order to make a difference for us to squeak one out, and you choose to leave, please don't tell me that 
you know, we, well, we should have won that game and we're going to need every bit of support that we can get. So go and stay, right? Stay. It's 75 weeks. Stay. What are you in a hurry to go home for? Uh, but I don't, I don't know. Uh, we'll get into some keys to victory here in a minute, but we got some guys we got to talk to talk about. I've got quite a few, you know, on offense for this Appalachian state team because they have several weapons and they can spread it around. They can all hurt you. And it starts, of course, with the quarterback, like it always starts with the quarterback. Number seven, quarterback Chase Bryce, six foot three, 235 pounds senior. Marshall has struggled with upperclassmen quarterbacks this year, and uh, notably, you know, against Troy uh, in, in a game that we should have won. If, we, if we'd have found any semblance of a passing game, we could have won that game. Um, 174 out of 267 on the year, 2,200 yards, number 36 in the country in passing. Another, you know, top. 40 passer that the herd's got to face another excellent touchdown to interception ratio, 24 touchdowns to just five interceptions. Here's the, probably the most scary part. Only been sacked 12 times through nine games. Sign of something the herd likes to hang its hat on, you know, and that's not going to be easy for Marshall to do this week, unless they just find a chink in the armor and are able to just get through like crazy duo of running backs. Appalachian state has, we've talked about them over and over on several episodes, you know, earlier in the season. And most herd fans are going to know these names, right? Number six running back Cam Peoples, six foot two, 225 pound junior, 93 carries for 572 yards on the season, five touchdowns. Also, number five running back Nate Noel, uh, five foot 10, 185 pound sophomore, 51 um, attempts for 336 yards and three touchdowns on the ground. We couldn't find an answer for Noel last year. You know, he he lit he lit Marshall up pretty good. We 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 held Cam in check and 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 Nate Noel kind of lit us up a little bit. And now you've got a full complement of both those guys as far as I know playing, and that's not gonna be easy to stop. A couple of wide receivers we'll talk about. Number 13, wide receiver Christian Horn, six foot two, hundred and eighty-five pound sophomore, twenty-five catches, four hundred and seventy-one yards, leads the team, and four total touchdowns through the air is tied for the team lead. Good for 18.8 yards per reception. And number 17, wide receiver Deshaun Davis, the five foot nine, one hundred and sixty-five pound sophomore, thirty-three catches, leads the team for three hundred and eighty-nine yards and three touchdowns, good for eleven point eight yards per reception. He sounds very much like the chain mover that you like to find to just keep drives alive. Uh, all in all, this Mountaineer offense is very, very balanced. 254 yards per game on it through the air, 195 on the ground. They get 40% on third down and 50% on fourth down. And yeah, it's a lot. 14 of 28. They go for it quite a bit on fourth down. Defensively, Mountaineers, I've got a quartet of guys we'll talk about here. Number four defensive back, Nick Ross, leads the team in tackles. He's a five foot eleven, 185 pound junior. 51 total tackles, 28 of those solo, a pass defended, interception, and a forced fumble. Um, and then a trio of linebackers. Number 15, Andrew Parker, six foot two, 240 pound junior, 45 total tackles. 18 of those solo, one sack and one pass defended. Nearly his mirror image, number 40, the linebacker, Logan Dublin, the six foot 220 pound senior, 44 total tackles, 17 solo, also a sack and a pass defended. Now get this one. Put a freaking circle around number nine, please. Linebacker Nick Hampton, six foot three, 225 pound junior, 35 total tackles, 20 of those solo, eight sacks, one pass defended, three forced fumbles, and three fumble recoveries. Holy crap. You got to know where number nine's at. Please, please, please. Impact plays 25 total team sacks for App State, five team interceptions, 10 forced fumbles, and 10 fumble recoveries. They are eighth. 
Here's the here's might be the the the, the saving grace. They are eighth in the Sun Belt, not the nation. Eight in the Sun Belt in rush defense, but they are first in pass defense. Conversely, Marshall's number one and number two in the conference. All right, that's a lot of stuff. I know you like some stats and matchups. So where do your keys to victory fall this week? So I'll get into more of the matchup things that uh, here in a minute. To go to the keys of victory, I've got four because you like to have four. I came yep. up with four. Uh, my number one is you have got to have pressure on Chase Bryce. It seems like no one ever does and allows him to just sit back there and pick them apart. So I need my man Owen Porter and my man Kobe Cumberlander and my man Taka's legs to just go nuts and open it up. Maybe we get uh, some linebacker blitzes or safety blitzes and come in with some stuff that we just rock this guy's world, force him to uh, throw scared, throw it away, maybe force a fumble on one of the, a big sack or force him to throw a rare interception. But it's rare to get an interception and a sack against the guy. We've got to do it. we got to get pressure on him. Um, I don't know if you were copying my paper, but my number one key to victory is you got to get to Chase Bryce. You have to. The guy's played a lot of freaking football. Senior quarterback, he's been in a lot of big games, and there's just not much you're going to throw at him that he hasn't seen. That's why he's so daggone effective. You know, he'll stand tall in the pocket, take the hits, deliver the throws. He's good, man. Uh, but what is a little bit more scary to me is not only do you have to get to the, to Chase Bryce, you're going to have to keep App State as a whole behind the sticks because they're 40% on third down and they're not afraid to go for it on fourth down and they're good from there 50% of the time. So if you give these guys three yards a game, uh, three yards on first down, three yards on second down, they're going to get it on fourth down, third down. They're probably not even going to see a fourth down. So you're going to have to get those negatives and tackles for losses and, you know, incomplete passes on first and second down to have any success. And I think it's all predicated on getting to Chase Bryce. My number two is you've got to shut down the run. And this is not contain the run. Like I had said about Ollie Jennings, you got to shut it down. Uh, Noel has not played in every game this year. He's uh, had some time that he's been out. But they have several guys that have stepped up. And they have, let's see, over 100 yards rushing. They've got one, two, three, four, five, six backs. Uh, their leading rusher only has 572 in people's. Noel has 336, Harrington has 276, Marshall 161, Castle 152, Roberts 127. Roberts, by the way, is getting 7.1 yards of carry, Castle 6.3. Uh, both Peoples and Noel are over six yards of carry. They just have a lot of different people that they can rotate into that backfield, and if our defense gets tired or they have a running back that gets tired, they can just rotate someone in that's fresh. So that's a little bit scary to me that they have a lot of touchdowns on the ground, 20 total, um, with five, three, two, 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 and four. Spread out yards, spread out touchdowns, a lot of yards per carry. We have got to shut down that run. Good thing is Marshall's really good at it. Yeah, and you know what? Here's what you don't know what you're going to get because against Georgia State, this Appalachian team goes out and rushes for nearly 400 yards. And mm -hmm. just last week against Coastal Carolina, they rushed for 88 yards. Yeah. So it's entirely possible to shut – Coastal shut them down, and they didn't shut us down. 
You know, I mean, we 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 were able to we, move we effectively. Sh- we, we shut ourselves down. Right, uh, we shut ourselves because down because we were look, down twenty-one points. If you look at that um, yards per attempt, it was still there. You know, right. if you were able yeah. to extrapolate that and get those thirty-five carries, forty carries a yeah. game, it was there. So uh, that was eighty-eight yards on twenty-seven rush attempts. So who you? It's a it's a, you're capable of doing that. My number yeah. two key to victory this week is. Cam Fancher must be a true dual threat quarterback. We can't have the pass and no run. We can't have the run and no pass. He's going to have to be able to do both. Uh, if they realize that they can keep you in, you know, one dimensional, I'm not sure that we're going to be able to go toe to toe, you know, point for point with them. But if we can prove that we can run the ball effectively, Cam can hold on to the football, protect the football and move the ball down the field through the air, I think we've got a puncher shot here. I'm not going to say that Marshall's totally out of it, but, you know, it worries me that a team's putting up 36, 37 points a game and we're averaging 12 and a half. What's your number three? Uh, Let's see here. Number three is we have to score points. Now, does (laughs) does that sound stupid? (laughs) Yeah. I mean, obviously you got to score points, but we have been struggling to do so, Mm -hmm. uh, especially on touchdowns and we need to score points because they score a lot of them. You mentioned it overall. They are 25th in the nation, 35.9 points per game. Uh, Our defense is sixth in the nation, only giving up 15.56. So, we're 98th in offense at 23.4. We've played two FCS teams, but so have they. These rankings should then be fairly even. You can't say, well, they've had to play more FBS games than us. We just have not had that electric scoring except for one game this year. And we have got to bust it out. We have got to score points, and we need a bunch of them. Yep, we sure do. Uh, I mentioned this in passing in the number two point about how Cam takes care of the ball, but that's my number three key to victory. As a team, Marshall's going to have to take care of the ball in offense. And I'm going to say that because Appalachian State has 10 forced fumbles on the year, and famously we've been talking about how Marshall puts the ball on the ground, particularly in the red zone and particularly inside the five-yard line. So that is an, one of those game within the games that I might be paying a little extra attention to. We have a penchant to – fumble the football at times, and they obviously have a penchant to knock the ball out. So you got to protect the football. They're not that great at coming down with interceptions, only five on the season, whereas uh, we're nearly like triple that. So uh, this is a good matchup. Another good matchup is this, uh, you know, number one pass offense. I mean, not number one pass off. Oh, it's pass defense. But this, this effective, efficient pass offense of Chase Bryce and this Appalachian State team versus our secondary. But uh, we got to protect the football. What's your final key to victory? We have got to win the turnover battle. Uh, it could come down to that. And if it's a four to three, two to one, one to nothing, no matter what it is, we've got to come out on top on that. Uh, we have got to flip the field with a turnover. We've got to maybe uh, flip the score where they're driving for a touchdown and we uh, take it away from them and go get our own and, make it a 14 point swing or a 10 point swing or whatever. We have got to do that and we've got to win the turnover battle. They don't have a lot of them, but uh, in fact, they are um, tied for 27th, only giving up four 
fumbles on uh on the year and they are tied for let's see here on interceptions they're tied for 29th only getting five interceptions so they've had nine turnovers through their nine games uh i mentioned this in the recap uh, but I think our number four key to victory is being creative on offense without being gimmicky on offense. Sprinkle in those play action passes, sprinkle in those, you know, um, <clears throat> pump fakes and double routes, double moves. I mean, something, you know, because we're seeing everything be very, very vanilla. I will say that I'm glad we've moved away from the heavy, heavy screen game and started to move to the short intermediate and even the longer route. But I need to build off of that foundation now. I need to see chapter three of the textbook instead of just chapter two. Uh, it's going to take something that app hasn't seen from us, a, a different you know, wrinkle that we haven't shown anyone yet. And hopefully that kind of coincides with the further development of Cam. All right, he's ready for, you know, to try something else. And uh, but just something. Something. It doesn't have to be all brand new, but you know, when the opportunities are there, like we saw against Old Dominion, you you need to be ready to pull the trigger on on some of those creative-ish plays that we haven't run yet and see if you can connect on one or two of them. Uh final thoughts for me that are not keys for victory, but like you said, I've got my matchup rankings here. Things to watch for. Uh their rushing game, they're 29th in the nation at 194.9. They are right behind us. We're 26th, but they are good at rushing, 195 a game. We are third in the nation and just less than a yard less than James Madison at number two in the nation, only giving up 78.7 yards a game. Um, another matchup, you had mentioned that they get 40.4% on third down conversions. That's 58th in the country. Uh, we are number one still, mm -hmm. and it got better, 20.6, nearly half of what they are. Uh, let's see their total offense. They're 29th in the nation at 449.3. We're eighth in defense and total defense only giving up 274.6 yards. One of the things that, that kills us here, red zone, even though we went four out of five, we're still 128th out of 131 only getting 69.4%. We've now had three blocked kicks in there, and we know we've got three fumbles in there, so that would go up quite a bit. Um, but they are 20th in defense in the red zone, 76%, 19 out of 25. So... There, there's some, there, there, <laughs> yeah, there, there's some scary points here. Yeah, there that, are. You know, um, that's what I'm saying. Like this could be the one where Marshall finally doesn't match up in enough of the vital categories that one gets out of hand. You know, they're also very good. We're uh, 98th with those seven fumbles you sent. Uh, said that we uh, we've gotten, and uh, they are 10th in the country at getting fumbles. So. They have uh, recovered 10 fumbles. We we still stack up well against them and quite a bit of stuff, time of possession, uh, some of these things that could really play a factor in it. Uh, we are very good at forcing turnovers. 
Uh, we are seventh, tied for seventh in the nation with 13 interceptions. So we do it well, like you said. They don't turn it over that much. Somebody's got to bend. Somebody's got to break. They've got a good running attack. They don't throw it over. Uh, they don't throw interceptions. We're very good at stifling the run, and we're very good at getting interceptions. So we do have the matchups, but do we have enough of them? Are we going to struggle in the red zone against where they match up well? That's the key. So just some areas to watch. Exactly. Um, it's all going to boil down to who can score the freaking points on whose defense, and that's a tough one. I mean, we get in our own way, but we get in other people's way. That That's kind of what Marshall is right now. I left one out on this where to watch uh, scoring. I mentioned that they were uh, 35.9, and we are six that – I don't know if I said that earlier – at 15.56. So they are good at scoring, but we're good at making people not score. We're good at getting in their way. That's right. Uh, Who's your Thundercast player of the week this week? Uh, I think it's going to be the defense as a whole, and I think it's going to have to be one of those where we have a lot of interceptions, we have a lot of forced fumbles, we have a lot of sacks, but it's going to be a team effort. I give the defense being the team MVP. Yeah, that's – I mean, that's obviously fair. You're going to need another lights-out effort from the defense to uh, probably keep this one – in the wheelhouse for Marshall to get one. Uh, but I still think that it's going to be predicated. I'm back on the Kalen Laburn train. He bounced back in a big way, and we're going to have to have every yard that he can get for us to, you know, move us down the field unless we just see something unforeseen and and the offense just clicks and everything just seems to work. We, we've seen those games in the past. We just haven't seen it yet this season, uh, you know, as a, from a from – a, a whole standpoint uh maybe this is the one because it's 75 week and you never know what the heck's going to happen do you have a score prediction i do i do um 27 to 21 marshall okay you like it a little bit more high scoring than i do um but i just cannot still i cannot pick against marshall on 75 week i can't do it i mean I, i just can't I like it lower scoring. Give me Marshall 20, Appalachian State 17, and a tight one for the herd, but finally securing a Sunbelt Conference home win. So I changed mine from 21 to 17 <laughs> uh, to to the score there, 27-21. Uh, but uh, that was just – I talked myself into it, but I had 21-17 written down. Yeah, I feel like four or five trips into the red zone, maybe we punch it in twice, a couple of more field goals, something like that. But uh, anyway, any way you want to look at it, this is going to be a hard road. This is going to be a much harder road for a herd victory, I think, than it will be an Appalachian State victory, I, I, I feel. So what do you, if you don't have any final thoughts on this one, we've talked about it a ton, um, let's take it around the herd. Well, the only thought that I have is for any uh, App State fans that may be listening, um, we we want to invite you. KD will be in, yeah. uh, so he'll be at the tailgate. We uh, we want to have not just herd fans there, but swing on by, and we'll show you hospitality and everything. Uh, it's kind of what Marshall's all about, and it's definitely what the Thundercast is about. For our herd listeners, make sure that you come by there as well. Uh, just ran into a couple of people and uh, over the last week that have just found out about us, and they're going to stop by at the tailgate say hello but yeah. uh should be a good time and we want to see everybody there and hopefully a good good game to watch now uh, well wait a minute ahead. 
All will right. say I'll echo off of that too. Yeah, if there are going to be some app fans that come to town, uh, please look us up. The only request that I will bring of you, well, that I will ask of you is bring some of your now do this because it's alcohol across state lines. You don't want to get caught, but bring some of that uh, Appalachian State signature beer so that we can uh, have a little beer off with the herd country lager. We'll trade beer for beer with you, and we'll just see how that goes. But if anybody listens and you can get your hands on that, bring some. Just don't tell the authorities you're taking alcohol across state lines. <laughs> yeah, and if you win, I'm going to report you. <laughs> All right, now we can go around the herd. All right. Uh, and like I've ever cared about taking something across the state lines. It's a, <laughs> well, you know, we're just trying to follow all applicable laws here. Uh, whatever. I don't do that. It's a, <laughs> all right. So women's soccer. Uh, we told you we hoped that we had something to talk about when we uh, did our last around the herd. And boy, did we. They beat App State, uh, upset them two to one in an overtime victory in the first round. And that put them in the quarterfinals for the first time ever, which I could not believe. Uh, then they went up against number two, South Alabama, and were in it till the very end. They uh, uh, even threw one overtime. We were still tied. And then South Alabama got a couple of late uh, goals, and they lost three to one to the number two seed in the tournament, and that ended their season. But yeah. what a what a way to end. I feel like they they just had a much better toward the end, especially in the two tournament games. They showed up and they showed out. And that South Alabama team looks scary good and nearly pulled off the victory. Anytime you can talk about for the first time ever. Mm-hmm. I don't care what it is. It's a, it's a, that's an accomplishment. Yep. And uh, we, we talked about them having a rough stretch, the the women's soccer team having a rough stretch and trying to get it right. And then I don't know what changed, but a little bit of a corner was turned and they start and they went on a little bit of a run and started gaining some momentum. And then you end up, you know, it was like they were thrilled just to be in the conference, get that nod to make it to the tournament and then to actually go in and win a game. Big deal. It's a big deal. It's yeah. a huge deal. So um, I'm excited for those gals. I'm excited for um, the whole program, you yeah. know, up onward and upward, upward and onward, and uh, already excited for, you know, next season. And you better believe it will be season ticket holders once again and trying to get people in the seats to watch you guys continue the climb. But excellent job. Congratulations on a great season. And congratulations on some of those postseason accolades as well. That's yeah. really cool. Yeah. Men's soccer. They shut out James Madison two to nothing in the regular season finale to secure the number two seed. We had mentioned all those different scenarios. We got it done. What we didn't get done was on Sunday where I was there. We dropped the rematch one to nothing and season's done except for, I mean, for the conference, the season's Mm -hmm. over um, where I was really thinking we had a shot to have a showdown with Kentucky in the championship game and, come out with a conference championship now it's on to the tournament where we know that we're going to get an at-large bid Um, i can't fathom a scenario where we don't so we're probably going to have one game at home and then we'll be on the road the rest of the way the way i figured so if i'm recalling correctly marshall took a late season loss in 2020 as well maybe even an early exit out of the conference tournament i don't recall what the scenario was but it seemed to galvanize that team and kind of refocus, you know, like needed to get punched on the chin a little bit to refocus and go, all right, now it's time to go and run. 
And oftentimes we see that, you know, oftentimes we see, you know, these teams that are rolling, um, they, they catch an early exit from a tournament or something like that. And then it just is refocusing and, you know, you run rough shot through a tournament and, you know, end up winning the whole damn thing. If so, I'm not mistaken, they were the conference championship. They might have been. I'm just saying there was a – I remember a late loss or something in that season that – I wasn't really paying close attention to soccer at that point. And I was just starting to watch, and I remember them going, wow. Uh, that was, I remember other people saying, well, that was a shocking loss or whatever it was. And and they went – so that's what it was. It was either a late regular season loss or something like that to where they went on a run and won the tournament and then, you know, won the College Cup as well. But uh, oftentimes those happen. Maybe this is one of those things. Now you get regrouped and refocused. And I was watching that game uh, against James Madison yesterday, and it's it's wild how one uh, mishandled pass is what led to that goal. You know, one mishandled pass just didn't get handled, rolled out of bounds. Joel, uh, James Madison takes possession and a couple, you know, pinball-y type moves and poof. There, there goes the lone goal of the game, and you're thinking, dang, well, at least we've got the whole second half to make something happen. And we we had a wide-open goal a couple of times, too, that we uh, we missed uh, a, a shot that I know our guys have made all season long that we just wanted to have it, have it fall our way, and it just, at the wrong time, it did not. Yeah. Uh, the only other thing that I have to say, I, I had a tweet about this, about, you know, I know it's soccer, and I know it's part of the game that you have flops and you have uh, – whining and complaining but man did that team whine and complain and flop you would have thought they had been shot in the leg with a shotgun on some of the times i mean like had to stop the clock 15 minutes and then as soon as the guy realized he wasn't getting a foul it's like he jogged off the field Mm -hmm. it just it's 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 crazy for me and i it really made me mad during trying to watch this game but it seemed like that that was a concerted effort for them to try to disrupt Marshall. And it seemed like it worked. Yeah. Well, it must have because they got the victory and we got an early exit. Yeah. Where are we at now? We are at men's basketball. They won their second and final exhibition game against Pikeville, 83 to 69. The season tips off tonight. They're playing Queens University out of Charlotte at 7 p.m. So that game's on ESPN Plus. Get your first dose of the herd tonight. 7 p.m. and hopefully get a little bit of a preview of what the rotation might look like and what some of these uh, freshmen that we talked up on our preview, what they look like. Yeah, of course, by the time this episode gets posted, that game will have already played because we're recording Wednesday or Monday and probably won't go up until Tuesday. But uh, basketball season is upon us and always going to take the moment to say we have season tickets. We'll be giving away tickets to every home game for men's and women's outside of the home opener, which has already been um, awarded due to a act of kindness. So uh, all those contest tweets and stuff will be going up. So just keep a lookout for those. Women's basketball, to keep it on the court, they travel to Purdue on Thursday for their first game of the year. And tip-off is at 6 p.m. And it will be on Big Ten Plus Network. Uh, KD, we did a a men's preview last week. But the nature of this season the women did not have a um an exhibition game to where we could really get a feel for it and their roster had a great big overhaul uh via the transfer portal and people that they brought in so our women's preview is going to be after this game so we can get a little bit of a glimpse on it 
We haven't yeah. we haven't talked directly to the coaches to be able to get a handle on who the starters should be. So we're going to have to wait and watch this game and then be able to do a preview. Yeah, it's that's the unfortunate part. We didn't get any exhibition games to get anything kind of any general idea. And with so much turnover, it's just too hard to speculate what it might look like. You know, mm-hmm. we have an idea who some of those major players might be as far as the starting five goes, but it's just too much new. I mean, right. <laughs> so yeah, we'll have to wait till a game gets played and then, you know, try to t- try to bring that to, uh, to herd fans. Yeah. Next year, a little bit too late, but next year we hope to have uh, uh, one of the coaches on to try to help us with that uh, because they're, they're just set up different without the exhibition games and that mm-hmm. sort of thing. All right, uh, volleyball, they lost to uh, James Madison in five sets on Friday and then four sets on Saturday. And they close out their regular season this Thursday and Friday at home against Arkansas State. So before they go to the tournament, this is your last chance to swing by. If you're coming into town for 75 week and you get here Thursday, Friday, make sure you swing by the cam and watch these girls play. Uh, and I might add that I saw earlier on Twitter that it's going to be 80s night. I believe that's Thursday night and then probably senior day uh, Friday. But, hey, man, take it back to the 80s on Thursday night. That's If you got nothing to do, you might as well go rock out at the cam in your finest 80s regalia. <laughs> I can't wait to see yours. Uh, <laughs> swimming and diving. Uh, man. Great success in the Bowling Green meet this past weekend, and we just have to uh, read off some of these things. They had 12 first-place finishes across the Friday and Saturday uh, events. And here's what we go here. Um, six of those was by Esther Laban or Laban. Uh, Madeline Hart got two, Paige Banton had two, and Mia McBride had uh, one. And the team of Mia McBride, Paige Banton, Madeline Hart, and Clava Katayama, uh, they brought a first place victory as well. We are going to, uh, if we haven't already, tweet this out on our Twitter page. So go by and look at the results. They uh have here like uh the 1650 meter freestyle esther laban had 17 minutes 20 seconds for first place overall third was also a marshall player at 1752 between first and third was a 32 second difference so go look at these it's a little bit of an eye opener so you can see what uh what these girls are doing and it tells you a little bit why they might be fourth ranked in the preseason mm-hmm. uh looks like we've got some uh some good talent there yeah dang 12 first place that's pretty cool i mean it is i don't know how many meet how many events there are at one of these meets but still that's a big number i don't care what it is yeah there there were quite a bit and the deal was it was uh at bowling green for uh just heads up marshall versus bowling green uh, for all that Friday event. And then it was three teams. Toledo came in with Bowling Green. Uh, so it was three teams on the meet on Saturday. And we ranked or raked up 12 overall number one victories. Really good day. Yeah. All right. Uh, tennis. They are competing in the Liberty Invitational on Friday and Saturday. And that closes out their fall schedule. And lastly, cross country. 
will be on this Friday, the 11th, uh, competing in the NCAA Mid-Atlantic Regionals. That'll go on all day Friday, and that will be the end of their season. Well, fall season. Yeah, end of the fall season. Man, some of it's coming to a close as others begin. It's basketball season upon us, and some of these uh, fall sport championships are – and now we're into the NCAAs, I guess. Yeah. So, not bad. You got any final words before we – Head out of here this week. Just that we love our sponsors and we uh, continue to thank 304carwreck.com and ignitelink.com. And if you are interested in becoming a sponsor like they are, messages. We've got uh, the Around the Herd segment that we can do. And we're always looking for more tailgate sponsors like we had earlier in the year. Yeah, it'll be pretty cool. Uh, just reach out if you think your business would be a good fit with the Thundercast. I'm pretty sure it would be. I mean, if you're in and around the local Huntington-ish area, Huntington, Ashland, you know, even Charleston. I mean, you know, wherever you want to reach folks that are listening to our show, we'd like to help you out. We'd like to help get your business out there. Um, I am excited to make my way back to Huntington, West Virginia this weekend for 75 week. I haven't been back to a two-time, two, two games in a season since I moved away. So this is a real this is one I've been looking forward to. I was really hoping that I would be able to get this weekend off, and I sure have. So I'm looking forward to being able to tailgate with everybody. I'm looking forward to, uh, heck, maybe even catching some of the volleyball game if we can uh, get in, if I can get in town and and make and that works out. That would be pretty cool. Um, but we need this one, man. We need this one. Uh, we need to just go ahead and take care of business against Appalachian State. I feel like this is a real measuring stick game for Marshall, if that makes any sense. Uh, because we're so evenly matched, and this is a team that's been so good for so long in this conference. And in, <clears throat> with the overall strength of this conference rising, some of these teams that have been historically strong the past number of years are taking a beating at the hands of some of these other teams, which is something we thought was going to happen. But I still feel like, even though we're both five and four, this is a measuring stick game for Marshall. And if they can get this win, they can protect 75-week, <clears throat> protect the June and get to that sixth win plateau, that should, should quiet a lot of that um, rumbling from the fan base. And I, you know what? I've been thinking about it. And I think a lot of it is amplified because Marshall hasn't won, it hasn't won games at home. You know, they beat Gardner-Webb, they beat Norfolk State. If these, if we have the exact same record, but we're going on the road and losing, I bet people are less vocal. You know, because it's they pay their money to show up and they go to the games and they want to see a win, and I get that. So I, I really feel like, on a number of reasons, it, for a number of for a number of reasons, if Marshall can get this win, this will go uh, a long way for team goals, for program goals, and to you know silence the fan base a little bit and uh, bring a little bit of positivity back to Huntington. You got nothing else? Takes out here. All right, whether you see us uh, at the volleyball game at the CAM, whether you see us over at uh, the dot, whether you see us over at the C-Lot, where both of us will be tailgating together for the first time since we moved to the C-Lot, no matter where you see us, we're going to be yelling, go herd. Go herd, it's the Thundercast. We'll see you next week. Later. Later.